baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Yes. Welcome to the gun show. Is that what you're uh, playing yeah. there, Carl? I thought that's what I heard him scream. That's a, no, that's a woman singing. Is okay. that Lizzie Hale? No, it's a band called In This Moment, and it's 11 years old, and I just found it, and I said, oh, it's called Welcome to the Gun and, Show. And how fitting for Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors this weekend. Mark Cox <laughs> in here, along with Bo Matthews and uh, Carl Middleman. And glad you're back with us. Uh, I, I'm not. That's never been my kind of rock. No, no. you, you like the that. first ten seconds I did of the like, song. I like the guitar part. And there then at the she beginning. sang. Yeah, don't need that. <laughs> I was at the party cove one time, and that the, I was on a houseboat as a guest, and the only music they were playing was just like that <gasps> for two days. Finally, on day three, did tie, you jump off tie, and try no, to drown yourself? No, I, cl- I went over to like the third boat from us, and I stole a stole borrowed a an Eagle CD, and I came back and put it in. <laughs> Oh, it was a I peaceful, a, easy feeling. I needed a cigarette after that. <laughs> <laughs> Only one time at the party go. That's for the record. Anyway. Only one time in your life? Uh, yeah. Well, that was enough of you there for three days. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I was there one time uh, just passing through just to say I've been there, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And, <laughs> and I see some guy. It was in the fall. Actually, there weren't a lot of people out there. There was some guy out there with a wetsuit on diving. Yeah. Then I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'd want to be in the water, particularly at the bottom of that particular cove. Absolutely no, not. No, thank you. We, I'll find my great outdoor activity somewhere else. Yeah, a lot of outdoor <laughs> bathrooming going on down there at the party. Yeah, cove. you got to wonder what the acidity level is, the pH <laughs> level is in the in the water that, that occasionally down there. But hopefully, you're enjoying the great outdoors this weekend. Labor Day. Day. It's part. Yeah, it's it's Labor party Day. cove weekend. I know there'll probably be lots of people down there. Maybe they're listening to us on their podcast while they're floating in party cove. Right now, our goal next year should be to do this show from Party Cove. Okay, with a wetsuit. Who's got a boat? <laughs> Who has a boat. a boat? You can rent them. Ooh, a boat a doesn't boat. want us to use his boat. <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> that's what I think. That's that's uh, that, that's what we're going to hey, need. Speaking of podcasts, oh yes, let me announce this. By the way, rolled it out this uh, past week for anybody who's interested. So I know that if you if you um, if you love guns. And you love the great outdoors, you might enjoy a good pour of bourbon. <gasps> what? So what I've done is come up with a podcast. It's called The Mash. So you can go to Odyssey.com and find it. You can go to 971talk.com and find it under the podcast link. The mash. And it's all about bourbon, Bo. I it's a, love it. It's it's about it's all it's about bourbon and it's about things that go well with bourbon. Mm-hmm. You know so what I- it could be could be hunting, Ice. could be cigars, could poker. be could be poker. poker, could be lots of things. 
whatever I want it to be, and I, I'm taking suggestions from people who listen as well, but you Ooh. can download it and listen. So we're talking about uh, Four Roses bourbon. I'm talking to one of the, basically a walking history book on on Kentucky bourbon in there. Talking about the Kentucky bourbon trail. Uh, we're talking about uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery and the officials from down there. Are you actually tasting while you're doing the podcast? I'm, I plan to. Okay. For the first three, I have not done that yet because I'm normally you recording the these in the rhythm. morning. You want the rhythm. You want the rhythm, right? Oh, but, uh, and you're recording we, them in the morning. We, that, well, that could be an we issue. We are going to be doing some tastings, though. That That's my plan. But anyway, download it. Listen to it. Tell me what you think. Give me your feedback. It's called The Mash. I love it. And you know what I love more about it than, than the name is that it's driving him nuts, Carl nuts, because he wants to play the Monster Mash, and that's the only thing he can come up with that, <laughs> for that as a oh, theme song. No, there are a no. lot of songs about you bourbon. You stop that. <laughs> there are a lot of songs about bourbon, but the reason I played the gun show is because of our first guest. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get to Rex Curley. He is with the St. Charles Gun Show. It's going to be all weekend at the St. Charles Convention Center. Rex, welcome into the show. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I ha- I have been a guest uh, at your gun shows in the past, and I am uh, looking forward to the one uh, that's going on all weekend. It's going to be a good one. We've had that uh, annual Labor Day show now for about 11 years, and it's always very, uh, very successful for us. And uh, always got a, you know, a great representation of vendors, both locally and then a lot of them come in from rural Missouri and a lot of things that uh, folks have never seen before. So you won't, you won't be disappointed if you go to it. And I plan to get up there this weekend because I'm staying in town. I will not be at the Party Cove. Uh, but what are some of the, what are some, other than guns and knives, what are some of the other vendors that you have there? Do you have uh, ice cream of the future? Do you have the my pillow set up? Do you have what, what other things are going on there? You know, for for a while there, we did have a gentleman coming in selling uh, pillows at the shows <laughs> that were very popular. But I haven't seen him in a while. But uh, our main thing uh, that we'll have there, we'll have an awful lot of uh, ammunition for sale. And at the gun shows, you can actually get all the ammunition, and uh, the price is going down on it. And so that that is a uh, is a really good thing. Uh, and then just an awful lot of uh, like gun cases and holsters, and you know, any and all accessories. And then the other thing that we have at the shows is we have a lot of buyers on site for those wanting to sell their personal collections or maybe their guns that they're not using anymore. And we just ask that if you bring them in, uh, we have a police officer that will check them at the front door uh, for you. But please make sure that you pre-check them before you come to the show. Just make sure they're unloaded and everything. And and then we've got these buyers in there, and it's not unusual for them to buy a ten or even a $20,000 gun collection at a show. Wow. wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they have to be in a case, is that correct, like when you walk into a gun range? Yeah, yeah, okay. just yeah, just have it cased and uh, and just make sure that you check and make sure it's unloaded. Yep, the police officers are always great about that. They always check you in there at the, at the front door. And you know, mentioning speaking of ammo, you mentioned that it's always a great place. I would agree. I I, I came out there last uh, year looking for some specifically some thirty thirty win, which I hadn't been able to find anywhere else. And uh, you, it's there. You got Sometimes you got to get there early, uh, but uh, you can find it. And I'm glad to hear that you guys have got plenty of it now. You know, even back in the worst shortages, uh, we always had ammo at the shows, and I and I don't know how the vendors do it because I can go into <laughs> any sporting goods store around. You know, back at that time, and I mean, or Walmart or anywhere, and the shelves would be bare, and then I would walk into the gun show, and they would have a a full complement of ammo. So they really never did let anybody down. And then the nicest thing about the ammunition right now is it is starting to. 
soften a little bit on its price and uh and there so you can come in and actually buy some stuff and get some bargains on some ammo now so people go to rkshows.com to find out more details that's correct yep uh good and and what what's the admission price again uh rex the admission is 14 and that's good for two days. They just get a stamp, and they can come back in for Sunday. Nice, and I believe I got a card in the mail the other day giving me two bucks off. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can get that and go into the website as well. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. I like it. Uh, well, that's great. It, and is it one of those things that you cannot get through the whole thing in one day, and that's why you do it, uh, the pricing this way? Yeah, and we like to, if the customer's there and if they're close to a deal, you know, on Saturday and then they go home and think about it, we like to give them that option to come back in Sunday, you know, without having to pay again. Sounds good. Rex Curley, thanks for joining us. We'll send people to rkshows.com. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate it. All right. We appreciate that. Hey, you're listening to Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Coming up, we're going to talk more about the future plans for the Missouri Firearms Coalition and what they'll be looking for uh, to defend your Second Amendment rights in the next legislative session. We're back in a minute. I won't play that awful song again. I will tease us with something else we're going to talk about today. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It is Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Mark Cox, Bo Matthews, Carl Middleman. Pew, we are pew. we are here, and in this segment, we are going to be uh, uh, talking about guns, gun laws, how it works in the politics, ether, and uh, it is brought to you by Razorback Armory, a gun concierge. If you've you've been to gun stores. You've been to gun shows. You've never been to a gun concierge, Razorback Armory in De Pere on Manchester Road, a half mile east of 270. Find them, directions, all the information about the company at RazorbackArmory.com. Tell them both sent you. I have got to get me one of those. <laughs> a concierge? A gun, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> they take care of everything for you, right? That, that would be on your staff with your butler, uh, your yeah, exactly. chauffeur, you know, right? You, yeah. Yard crew, everyone. We'll Driver. I'm just kidding. Speaking hey. of, speaking of, <laughs> did you ever see the Ellen DeGeneres stand-up bit uh, called Relatable? I have yes, watched it was on Netflix. I have watched as little Ellen DeGeneres as I possibly can in my life. But go ahead. Take a moment. Take ten minutes. Watch the first okay. ten minutes. It's <clears> funny <throat> because she claims to be relatable, like you with a chauffeur <laughs> and a private pl- pilot. Am I right? Yes, she's. She's making fun of her nice image. <laughs> she understands that she's a jerk. And so this must have been an old bit, because no, now we know the truth? No, this came out right before yeah, all of that oh, came out. <laughs> timing is everything. <laughs> timing is everything, absolutely. Hey, by the way, it is Second Amendment Radio, and we want to talk about the Second Amendment right now with our friend Alex Salsman, political director for the Missouri Firearms Coalition. Alex, welcome back. 
Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, doing great. Good to get you back on here. Uh, you know, uh, last weekend, I believe it was, uh, we were talking about the Second Amendment Preservation Act, uh, which you guys helped uh, get uh, put in place, which was a fantastic effort. Um, but since then, we've heard there are going to be several challenges to that to that law, and we wanted to get you back on here and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so last week, the Cole County judge rejected St. Louis's um, suit against SAPA, and which throughout that whole process, nothing there actually surprised us, which was good. Uh, we're not actually sure where the appeal is going to be. Most likely it'll land in the Missouri Supreme Court at some point. Um, but we're really more overly concerned, not with the local efforts to overturn SAPA, but uh, we're gearing up and putting everything we've got into knowing into what we all know is coming, which is the federal government is going to be challenging SAPA soon enough. Yeah, and and you know, of course, the the feds are going to bring the full weight of the Department of Justice, and they're going to. I've been told maybe threaten to withhold funding, and I mean they've got all kinds of plans up there. Yep, and there's a reason that Merrick Garland and Joe Biden have specifically targeted Missouri SAPA law. You know, there are nine other states that have got some kind, some form of SAPA law on the books, but we're the only ones to actually get it across the finish line without amending out the teeth. You know, we passed our SAPA law with an enforcement mechanism, and we're the only state out of 10 who tried to actually get that done. And the federal government and Joe Biden, they've got a vested interest in making sure that they nip that in the bud quick before other states see that that can be done. They're all watching what's happening on Missouri right now. We are very much... Um, in need of holding the, the front line on the Second Amendment. And right now, Missouri is on that front line in a big way. Alex, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, and I, I just want to point out, and I think I text you, Mark, uh, when I saw this, that you know a, a government that is trying to disarm its citizens, the USA, uh, has now just armed the Taliban in Afghanistan to the teeth and we've got to we've got to remember this. And we also, uh, you know, last week when we talked about this, uh, we talked about the, the the sensationalized headlines that the SAPA bill is is really to uh, uh, hurt the investigations on a federal level with the state level. Talk about that to uh, to the listeners about how that's not true. Those are just headlines. Yeah, I would not be tuning into any of the legacy media or the mainstream liberal media. They're always going to have a very biased um, reporting slant against anything pro-Second Amendment. We've all seen that. That shouldn't be anything um, newsworthy to us. I think we're all used to it. Just turn it off. I mean, you're not going to get anything factual. You're only going to get spin when you're dealing with, you know, the big legacy media, CNN, ABC, CBS, all that. And even some of the big um, local media outlets that you know, like you've got the Post, they're always going to be of a left-leaning worldview. So you're never going to get your actual facts, the things that you're going to actually care about knowing. You're just going to get a lot of um, fluff, I guess, Yeah, a lot of opinion uh, pieces. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and they're always coming after us in some fashion. That's, that's, that's why I drive home to people all the time how important it is to join the Missouri Firearms Coalition, to join the Second Amendment Foundation, these other organizations that are really on the front line of sort of standing sentry for our Second Amendment rights. They're constantly under assault. I'm amazed by that. I heard the director of the CDC the other day, Dr. Walensky, talking about the fact that 
gun violence, which they they love that phrase, is an it needs to be treated as a public health crisis. So here we go again. The Obama administration tried that tactic uh, six five years ago, and and they're back. They're back with the Biden administration doing the exact same thing. Well, yeah, I mean they're seeing very clearly that it works. You know, if you tell people, well, do it for the kids, do it for the puppy, do it for the the overall, the general good. You know, you can get people to um, give up and chip away their own freedoms. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Missouri, um, Missouri has to hold the line. If we can hold the line and protect the Second Amendment Preservation Act that we just passed, um, fight that, fight the feds off and protect our rights. Other states are going to see that and they're going to put those enforcement mechanisms into their SAPA laws. Um, if not, if we can't fight off the feds and, and Missouri SAPA law falls, then us, along with every other state in the union, are really going to be left defenseless against the gun control agenda of this administration or any other in the future. It really is a serious battle right now. And I know we're all tired and we're all burnt out and feels like we've been fighting forever, but we've got to carry on. You know, I, w- I want to interject this analogy. I saw the headline about uh, uh, Governor Abbott in Texas uh, having the heartbeat bill uh, for six weeks, uh, is there, as long as they're a heartbeat, they, they, they can't abort, right? And when I saw Biden's uh, comment that he said it blatantly violates the constitutional right established under Roe v. Wade and upheld as pre- uh, precedent for nearly a half a century, and he calls it outrageous, and to be changing the, the Constitution, I was like, what? What? <laughs> it, it, and this is the only area that we're and- talking about changing yeah, yeah, right. He holds he holds a a decision by the Supreme Court to be more important than the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. And I and I well, love- and the hypocrisy there is just mind blowing, just absolutely mind blowing. I mean, look, the whole reason they're trying to fight the Second Amendment Preservation Act is because they're trying to say that you know it's not going to be constitutional when in fact this is the same. Um, language, the anti-commandeering language that the um, states like California and other states use for their sanctuary <laughs> cities and yeah. states. So this is the federal government will completely look the other way when liberal states use this to um, ignore federal edicts, but not for conservative states or laws they don't like. But so we because- definitely got to push back and keep calling out that hypocrisy. And they're they're trying to use the supremacy clause as the excuse, but that was sort of planned on as the bill was put together, correct? Oh, absolutely. We knew that was coming. We had anticipated that from the start. Um, so we made sure um, that the strategy that we used, we used a strategy that um, had been supported by Supreme Court precedent for over 170 years. So um, we we knew that the the language was solid. We knew that it was a good bill. We knew that it would be upheld with, in court. We just had to, you know, swim through the left's rhetoric. You know, they'll do right. anything and everything and say anything and everything to get people to do what they need them to do, including lie and mislead. So you'll find a lot of that um, so when you're talking about gunfights or anything, really. So, Alex, I know a lot of these issues are, are discussed long before the session starts up again in January. But I did hear a state legislator or read a comment from a state legislator, a, a Republican 
which shocked me, that said that there were some problems with that law that they wanted to go back in and fix. Have you heard that talk? Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't shock me at all. If you um, had any idea the uphill battle we faced just to get SAPA passed to begin with, now remind I'll remind everyone that we've got a supermajority control, Republicans everywhere, Supposedly the House, the Senate, the executive branch. It should not have been hard to ask that our Second Amendment rights were protected. But we basically had to chew through the moderates to get this bill passed. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they're still bitter about it, that they still have special interest and people in their ears telling them that, you know, we've got to undo it, we've got to fix it, what, whatever. There are plenty of people in Missouri, at the Missouri Firearms Coalition, that are that will be there and be ready to make the phone calls, make the emails, go visit your legislator. We'll do everything we have to do to defend SAPA, just like we're doing now. I mean, we've spent um, tens of thousands of dollars already defending SAPA just with the Cole County case, and we are anticipating a six-figure battle coming up when the feds start knocking on our door. Wow. And uh, it, it, what, what's amazing to me is, that, you know, you seem very calm, Alex, and we appreciate you being on the show. Uh, but you, even t- talking to Patrick Holland last week about uh, SAPA, which he calls SAPA. We're still trying to figure out the the pronunciation of that. Oh, either one works. The, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. SAPA, SAPA. But, but the fact that both you and he spoke of, we knew this was coming. We thought this was coming. You have pre-planned. You have, you have thought ahead, unlike our federal government has done on a global scale. Um, so it sounds like uh, that you guys are ready to defend this at the legislative level. Well, yeah, I mean, this is not a new fight. We've been fighting for SAPA since 2014 in Missouri. So the arguments aren't new. It's just, you know, the players come in and think that they've got brand new, fresh ideas when this is, you know, the same lame, sorry excuses that they've used in the past and for other things that, you know, we knew were going to be brought up. So we did our best to make sure that the that the law was going to be sound because we knew, obviously, being the strongest in the country, that it was going to be challenged ad nauseum by the left. So we were prepared for that. Now all we're having to do is try to uh, rebuild, build back the resources so that we can actually keep defending because the, the federal fight is going to be a whole nother ball game than the local efforts to try to try to get rid of Sapa. Alex Salzman, our guest from the Missouri Firearms Coalition. Alex, what's next? What What do you have your sights on? D- 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 in other words, we know you're going to defend Sapa, but what else? What else are you planning to fight for in the next legislative session? Um, well, right now, the main thing that we're focused on is defending Sapa in court. So we don't know, like like we said, we're not sure where the appeal is coming, but we're going to stand at the ready for that. Um, and then, of course, we're trying to do everything we can to prepare for the federal fight that is coming with the feds over SAPA. Um, But then we have some things that we can work on for the legislative session next year. Um, We've all saw uh, Mark McCloskey and his wife get in trouble when they defended their home against that mob of protesters. Our stand your ground law, it's become really clear to us that there are some major deficiencies um, within our statute here in Missouri. So we're going to take a stab at that and see if we can't clean that up so that never happens to anyone again. Um, We also always are always going to be fighting against the gun-free zones. We've got 17 or 18 different gun-free zones in Missouri, so we'll be doing our doing what we can to push back against that. And then always, of course, we'll be on defense defending against um, the red flag laws and anything else that they try to amend into other bills as far as the Second Amendment goes because 
they're very tricky and a lot of times it's not even the left that we're defending it against it's the moderate right it's the middle right um it's all of those regular old r's behind their names that aren't really <laughs> defenders of freedom they're just the you know, people that have won popularity contests uh, yeah, I, I think keeping it simple, stupid, is a phrase that comes to mind right now because there's so many different interpretations of the Castle Doctrine, for instance, um, that, that need to be explained because even different uh, uh, concealed carry instructors believe different things. I've talked to a couple of different ones, and I'm like, no, I don't think that guy's right. And then this guy says, no, he's wrong, I'm right. So even understanding it, like you just mentioned, it's tricky. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, and you know, it gets tricky because, you know, we get down into the weeds. We're talking, you know, carve-outs for use of force in the self-defense statutes. And, you know, the assault statutes need work because there's no carve-out for self-defense there either. That's why Patricia McCloskey was charged with assault. You know, so it is a lot of legalese, but it's definitely worth sparsing out because these are these are people's lives that are impacted by these laws. So we want to make them broad enough that they cover fully the Second Amendment rights of all Missourians. But we've got to start drilling down and really start protecting um, protecting individual circumstances, very similar to what we saw in St. Louis last summer. Alex, we appreciate your time. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for having me anytime. All right. Alex Saltzman there, Missouri Firearms Coalition. Hey, coming up on Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors, did you get a chance to humble yourself this week? Dove season opened. I've done that before. It's not too late, uh, but uh, we're, we're past opening day. We're going to talk to the, uh, uh, of course, the certified wildlife biologist who's in charge of all that for the state. We'll be right back. Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. It is time to go outdoors. Along with Mark Cox, I'm Bo Matthews. Carl Middleman, uh, DJ extraordinaire. Great song for I, this. I didn't go with the Prince, which was too obvious. This is more subtle. And nobody knows that the name of this song is Edge of 17. They just call it White Wing Duff. <laughs> well, thanks for clearing that up. This segment brought to you by Chuck's Boots. You still got a chance to win a Polaris General 1000 side-by-side simply by being a loyal customer. Even if you've never shopped at Chuck's Boots <laughs> online at chucksboots.com or Fentner St. Peter's, still go because it'll turn you into a, uh, a, a very appreciated customer. Go to chucksboots.com to get registered to win. They've teamed up with Thoroughgood. And you can also go to Chuck's Boots' Facebook page to get registered to win the Polaris side-by-side from Thoroughgood and Chuck's Boots. Yeah, we need to get in there and get signed up. Uh, Let me welcome our guest right now, Joel Porath, joining us. He is the Wildlife Section Chief for the Missouri Department of Conservation. And I understand that uh, dove season uh, opened up uh, this week. And boy, I tell you what, uh, Joel, welcome into the show. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I went dove hunting for the first time, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years ago. Took my kid out there with me. I've never been so humbled in my life. <laughs> it's hard. And why? Because I couldn't hit them. Because they're, uh, unlike those little 
clay pigeons that that move away at a decreasing rate of speed. And Dove a, don't do that at a steady no. rate of yeah, speed. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can move <laughs> not they a steady can, path. Oh, they can turn left or right. Oh, there's the trick. They can, and then you throw the wind factor in there, and especially on a windy day, you better have a lot of shotgun shells. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. We we uh, we limited out that day. I took my kid, who was a good trap shooter. He was humbled as well, but he caught on to it faster than I did with those young eyes. I'll have to tell you that. So are they, are, are they good eating, Joel? Are they good eating? Is that the reason people do it, or what is it? They are good eating. You know, there's a couple different things. One, it's the first season that really opens up, and so there's folks that have been – you know, itching to get out and enjoy nature all summer, and the, the dove hunting is the first you know real opportunity to do that. You know, you don't you don't need a lot of equipment, you don't need a lot of good camo. You know, you can sit there with your friends and visit and and have a great time just you know practicing your shooting. And 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 yeah, they are really good to eat. There's there's many different ways to cook them. A lot of folks think that they're pretty small, but you know, with a limit of fifteen, you know, you you can grill them, uh, broil them, fry them, all different types of ways to to cook them. They're very good. Yeah, that was our experience. And, and, you know, maybe that's something to talk about for just a moment. I wonder, does the Missouri Department of Conservation make suggested? Do you have a suggested cookbook for wild game? Because, you know, I whenever I go hunting with friends, whether it's for, for pheasant or chucker or whatever it happens to be, there's always somebody in the group who goes, oh, I got a great recipe for that. Uh, I'm not, I don't seem to be able to pull that off very well. I have to go to their house and let them cook it for me. Because I, honestly, just, I'm just not very talented at getting that. Because there's a, there's a key to getting that um, sometimes gaminess out of it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah on, on our uh, mbc.mo.gov website, there is uh, all different types of recipes. And then there's also a wild game cookbook that we put out. And so... Uh, that'd be a great opportunity for you and, and your listeners to take a look at that. Is there a, a restaurant in St. Louis that, that uh, features wild game like that? Does the Big Chief Dakota Grill do Dove? I, I, I've never heard of a restaurant that did that. Yeah, there's not. And that, and that's, <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons why we are where we are in the world today, that you know, around the turn of the century, there was the, the game markets were abounding. And so that was the demise of a lot of different game species as, as folks were able to to go out and hunt them and then sell them to the market. And so when uh, market hunting was outlawed, then those, a lot of those game species started to come back. And so that that's the, you know, the North American model of, of wildlife conservation is that they're, they're, they're for the people and managed, you know, by the conservation department, but they're not, they're not for sale. Do, do you keep track of the dove season the way you, the conservation department keeps track of others? I mean, in terms of the number uh, harvested or how how exactly do you guys approach that we do there's a couple different methods that are are utilized one is uh, putting metal bands on their legs same thing that we do with waterfowl and there's a lot of different states that do that and so the you can utilize band recovery data so you know say for example there's a dove that's banded in missouri and it's harvested in texas and once you compile all that information you can you can get kind of an idea of of where they were harvested and then uh, extrapolate to the numbers that are harvested. We also have surveys that are conducted on some of the conservation areas statewide where you're required to report your harvest. And then there's also after season uh, reports that are conducted. And so Missouri, along with all the other states, have a, have a, have a pretty good idea of the, the number of doves that are harvested on an annual basis. So they are a migratory bird? Uh, and if so, where where do they come from and where do they go this time they of year? Are, they are. Migratory, well, they're a bird that's covered under the Migratory uh, Treaty Act, Migratory Bird Treaty Act. And, and so they are, they are federally protected. 
not not to say that you won't see some around here in the winter. There are some that that hang out here, uh, but they're they they will go to to Iowa or Minnesota or Wisconsin depending on the weather, and then they'll and then they'll fly fly south for the the winter. But like I said, not all of them. You'll see some around, you know, in December. There's some hardy ones that stay around. So I, I've never noticed a shortage of them. The the few times I've gone dove hunting is no, that because you can't hit them. I can't hit them, so I have not I have not contributed to the depletion of doves. But is that an issue? I mean, do we? I know there's a limit, uh, but it seems kind of high to me. Yeah, they're the states keep pretty close track on them and and they they ebb and flow and and so you know the population is pretty is pretty stable on a you know a united states basis there might be some areas that's going down uh, bird species as a whole are declining and and it's from all different types of things it's it's from you know lead shot in the environment and it's from you know pesticides and and climate change but but overall they're doing well if if they weren't then the season would be modified to to not allow for 15 the season yeah. would be either shortened or the limit would be decreased yeah, so it's it's we we keep pretty close track of that. Okay, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, Joel. Mark, you like my tinfoil hat? <laughs> I do like it. Could it be five G? Could it be five G? <laughs> no, no, do, do, Carl, you don't laugh. I'm not laughing. This at is you. a serious question because when five G was being tested overseas, they were finding thousands of birds falling out of the sky. Oh wow, I did not know that. Google, Google. That's I will. <laughs> I'll learn something today. Now you're so, laughing. <laughs> so, so, so cell tower uh, activity. I mean, we've we've heard the comparison of cell towers and bee activity. You know, bumblebee or uh, honeybee right. activity. Uh, yeah, you're a biologist. Uh, this doesn't come up in your purview, or is it? Uh, am I just a tinfoil hat wearing cowboy? Yeah, no. I, we we keep track of those types of, of of things as they're popping up, and and there there's just not enough knowledge known on that right now to make a you know a scientific decision. But there's but there's all types of bird movement studies that are being done. There's all kinds of studies being done on on insecticides and and wind wind turbines and and bird movements. And so yeah. 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 That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just I figured I'd bring it up since we had the expert on. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's Sorry. A good, no, it's a good it's a good question. I hopefully people got out and if you've never tried dove hunting, I I would suggest it. Maybe if if you don't get to do it this season, plan for it for next year because it it, it is fun and it's challenging. I mean, I don't even I don't ever know how you'd get really good at it because they, they, you never know what they're going to do next. I bet the hungrier you get, the they, better. They, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Just saying. Uh, so let's switch gears here, if you don't mind, to talk about the deer archery season. Uh, it starts here uh, on September 15th. Uh, do, do you also do this, Joel? I do, yeah. I'm responsible for the, the statewide uh, managed deer hunts and then also involved in the deer regulation setting. So, um, what what are we expecting this year? I, 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 seems like we did an interview on this, and there, and they there were going to be some some changes this year uh, in terms of checking the deer afterwards. There are, yeah, we've had for about six years now mandatory opening weekend of the firearms deer season um, in in certain counties, CWD counties. We've had mandatory. Uh, check-ins where the folks are required to bring their their harvested deer last year it changed to to voluntary because of covid but we're going back again this year to uh, in certain counties you are required on the on those two days the opening weekend of firearms deer season to present your deer to one of those stations 
Do we have uh, do we have any records that are possibly uh, you know on the cusp of being broken when it comes to deer hunting? Uh, you know, rack size, anything like that uh, that you know of? Uh, not really. You know, we Missouri does have a pretty good. Well, we have a very very stable or increasing deer herd, and and yeah, it seems like every few years there's one of those you know record monster bucks that pops up and and is harvested in Missouri. Um, but no, I I think that we're We've got our regulations set pretty good to, to keep the harvest kind of where we want it to be, and then um, you know, hopefully some folks will be able to to find and harvest some of those larger, older age-class bucks. Yeah, I feel like I need to ask, since this is the guy in charge, none of those big bucks ever seem to pop up near me. You got any advice for me? <laughs> <laughs> don't stand ne- near a 5G tower. I don't know tower. what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you say that. Uh, they, they don't ever seem to present themselves to me either. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I've never, I've never, I've never taken a, a buck that was suitable for mounting. I'll have to say that. <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it comes to hunting of anything, uh, deer, uh, dove season, do you see an increase in permits being purchased to do this or tags being purchased? Because, uh, you know, and I'm not going to freak out here. I'm not a prepper. Okay. I've, I've got some dehydrated food. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> what? What? I'm just, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, a, I'm trying to be a good American. No, you freak. You. Why I'm would you. you do that? <laughs> anyway, uh, I've noticed in the grocery stores and even in the big box, like, warehouse store it doesn't look decimated like a hurricane's coming but there are holes on the shelf and i'm like what is going on and we've all heard about supply chains so my question right. is is there more uh, more hunters that are going to be out there this uh, this archery season or for doves well what we saw last year and it was you know specifically covid related is that when when everything shut down in the spring then we saw a pretty substantial increase in fishing permits in turkey hunting permits and then that kind of stayed throughout the fall and other states saw the same thing too you know folks working from home had more of an opportunity to to you know take off and and go out and hunt uh, my guess is that that'll stabilize a little bit but it's it's uh, still yet to be seen the hopes are is that it it increases, you know. It's a it's a great opportunity to go out and <clears throat> yeah and and harvest, you know, for a deer example, harvest a deer, and you can get you know sixty or seventy pounds of a very lean venison off of that. Absolutely, and, yeah. And so uh, we we have we have a lot of different efforts that we we've been working on and that we're thinking about for the future to uh, recruit and retain, you know. Hunters. As far as an increase in firearm sales, uh, Mark Cox, a very wise man that I know, last week coined the phrase, of more stimulus guns were sold last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is true. <laughs> That's a good point. We're talking to Joel Porath. He's the Wildlife Section Chief for the Department of Conservation. You also have a drawing coming up for waterfowl. We do. Yeah, we have a, the way that we handle the waterfowl drawing or waterfowl hunting here in Missouri on, on 15, 15 areas specifically is that there's a preseason drawing and the applications are from September 1st to September 18th. And that drawing allocates 25% of the available spots. And then during the season on a weekly basis, there's another drawing electronically that uh, allocates the other 25%, and then there's also 50% that's available in what we call a poor line. And so you can just show up on an area and try to draw in on a specific day that you want to hunt. And so that's on 15, 15 intensively managed wetland areas. There's also plenty of other uh, waterfowl hunting opportunities that you don't have to go through a drawing here yeah. in Missouri. Well, good good to know. Listen, Joel, it's it's been a pleasure having you on the radio, and uh, we're glad we could spend a little bit of time and uh, educate people on all this. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, folks should go to mdc.mo.gov to get more information, and I hope everyone has a safe and enjoyable fall hunting season. And if you go to their hunting and trapping section and go to the drop-down menu, all the way to the left, recipes. Oh, yes, you nice. found it. Good. Good. <laughs> awesome. I, I don't, have you ever hunted uh, Canadian geese? I have not. I, You know, I knew uh, the guy that was the equivalent of Phil Robertson on ducks down in southern Illinois. He passed away on an ATV accident. But I talked to his wife after he passed, and I said, so are you like Miss Kay? Do you cook up the geese? And she's like, I hate those things. They're greasy. I'm, well, why am I going to go out there and do that? <laughs> Because I'm hungry. <laughs> everybody's got their everybody's got their thing, don't they? That's good. Hey, Joel, thank you. We'll check in with you again. All right, sounds good. You guys have a great day. You Thanks, bet. Joel. Yep. Thank you for that. It's good. We got to get you out to dove hunting. Oh man, I'd love oh, to. It's a hard place to start. Let me tell you. Uh, are, is, are you on a swivel? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> oh, your feet. <laughs> oh, oh, walking. Oh. No, no, no. So, so when we dove hunted, we just went uh, along. They had cornrows where they would mow the middle of it, and you would just set up. They had little cutouts in some of the rows of corn. You just bring a chair and sit down and wait until the 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 doves they would fly in because they wanted to feed on the corn. So they and, do come in flocks. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, like there's, duck? there's quite a few of them actually that'll come in and and then you have to just try to try to hit them. Okay. Well, yeah, so good luck it, with that. Do you have to be good at skeet shooting to, to be good at this? It would help. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm out. It didn't help me a lot, but it would help. I'll, I'll see I'll you at the fast food drive through <laughs> I'll take a McD- McDove sandwich, please. You got that on the menu? <laughs> oh, boy. Ah, uh, that does it for this week's edition of Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. All right, Mark, great hanging with you. Carl, thank you for all you do with the great uh, DJ and music mixing, and thanks for listening. Please share the podcast, because Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors is also a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app. See you next week. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.